0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the desktop of com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dad. Joe today, we have Bertie. Hi. And Trey. <clears throat> hello. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. I so said like, hello. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so what are we talking about? Fucking manga shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, Trey, you've been messing me fucking every day about 20th century, boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man but that's not what i'm gonna start with
2: you fucker actually well dead man i just did a quick kind of starting point i don't know if everyone else has read this but i guess it's worth mentioning that fairy tale's over
1: oh, oh right yeah, yeah yeah that ended it's uh that's a uh it's a bad ending yeah I'm not going to
2: call it bad, I'm going to call it lame.
1: Yeah, that's why I said bad ending, because it's kind of just a, like, and all no, the things I, were
2: tied I,
1: up, and... It, it,
2: to me, bad endings are endings that are either inexplicable or don't end anything. Okay, a lame fine. ending is an ending that technically does resolve everything, but in, but in this case, it's such a lackluster,
1: yeah, it's such a, tension-free
2: it's such a, ending that I'm like, okay.
1: It's such a clean, like... And then this person fell in love, and then these people—excuse me—and these people go and do the
0: thing. Well, to be fair, the entirety of fairy tale has been tension-free.
2: <coughs> power creep? What's that? <laughs> oh boy! Not quite a DBZ level power creep, but close.
0: Yeah, just everything. Just hey, I got this new power. Then they immediately meet somebody who can fucking rape the moon.
1: Oh boy, that's
0: a... It just keeps going from there. Until it's like, hey, I'm a dragon who ate time, so like, fuck all of you. And then, I'm gonna punch him, and I win. That's how it ended, right? Well, he,
2: punched, he punched with the power of friendship in the heart of the cards.
0: <laughs> yeah, happy is kind of basically winged creepo. Oh.
2: Yeah, it's the big evil dragon thing that was built up as like the big end-all, be-all bad guy.
0: Acnologia.
2: It's Just kind of an afterthought.
0: Yeah, he was there for a bit and then like wasn't.
2: Yeah, like he was sort of. It was sort of the like the whole climax with uh, Zeref was sort of based on the idea that eventually Achnologia was going to show up and they had to be in a point where they could take him out, but that was just. Kind of nothing. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Even the whole
0: Zeref thing was the fucking nothing. Like every single, every single time yeah, they introduce think, an idea that like might be interesting, it always just ends up becoming like a wet fart when they end think, when they're resolving the
2: it. The problem, I think, the problem is Hiro Mashima comes up with good starts of ideas, but his execution is always the same. Yeah, just hey, every the Same happy. problem with Rave Master. Like, I
1: was about to mention Rave Master.
2: <laughs> it's like I liked Rave Master at the start. Minus it's everything in the kitchen sink approach to anime, <laughs> but um,
1: but you love that real big fish op. What?
2: Oh, the, the show. I never watched the show, so
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I have a vague memory of the show existing. That's about it. But um, seems fair. Because like it's the same in both cases, um beyond the fact that the main characters of both Fairy Tale and Rave Master look basically the same with minor cosmetic differences. They have the same approach. It's like, oh world ending problem, I hit it harder. Well this problem even have been, one, I hit it harder. And that's that's Hiromashima's biggest problem is that as good as he is at writing individual characters, he can't write any story except the same story
1: yes
0: well hey to be fair in this he punched it with fire and lightning
1: i like the idea which he had already done (laughs) i like the idea in shonen uh for of heroes who don't ever get stronger
2: well i mean though they get stronger it's just no
1: no but they don't ever get physically stronger like
2: uh fuck you my hero academia
1: yeah what
0: the beginning of that was getting physically stronger.
1: No, but I'm saying I like the idea of them of nobody ever getting physically stronger. What? Yeah, I mean, maybe. What do you I mean? I'm, what?
2: I'm, 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 I'm
1: okay. Whatever. Be
2: more specific with physically stronger. That's, Just like that's increase what I was trying muscles. Trying to do and or... then I get
1: interrupted. <laughs> um. So I was saying I like the idea of taking an entire manga and getting rid of the power creep element by having everyone have set limits. And it's just like, you overcome your problems by like straight up. Am I better than you already? I'm, I can't get stronger. We can, like, someone's not going to come along Well, no. I just um, take, and I just transform and I'm better than them or whatever. Like straight up, you have to out technique them. And um, that's you, can't, you can't just exercise and get better. I see
2: what you're saying, but I think that runs into the problem of shit like uh, it works in the case of having an antagonist who's better than the the protagonist who the, no matter how if he you can't just like do a training montage and be immediately better than the antagonist. but the problem with that you always run into is because it's you have to write the antagonist just as much as you write the protagonist. I think that's also Mashima's problem is that he can't write convincing. I mean, even My Hero Academia, as good as it is at writing compelling, interesting protagonists, it has not established a decent antagonist to save its life. And it's 150 chapters in.
0: Yeah. They just started getting a kind of interesting one, which will probably end up being resolved by the end of the arc.
2: Yeah. So the problem with most um, Shonen, like you said, what Power Clip really refers to is the fact that instead of... Uh, you always run... Particularly DBZ, I think, is the progenitor of this. The idea that you just hit a level button, basically, when you have a problem that's stronger than your previous problem. Because if a problem's not stronger than your previous problem, then it's not a problem. But you're not smart enough to write a different way for the character to handle it, so you just hit the level up button. And and my hero academia has done that to such an absurd degree at this point that it's kind of hard to take well not my hero academia my hero academia is actually balancing it pretty well because he's it, deku gets powerful he's learning becoming more skilled at using his powers but he keeps running into these problems where he keeps getting tempted to just do the 1,000% thing, and he can't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, like, literally can't do that anymore. <laughs> and so that led to shoot style, which is, like, this whole other fucking thing. And then... And then, like, going forward, it seems like it's going to be a lot more of him, like, actually thinking. Which is yeah. kind of Deku's strong suit.
2: Yeah, no, thinking through and understanding both his, his strengths and weaknesses, his opponent's strengths and weaknesses, his ally's strength. He's much more of a tactician than a frontline fighter, which is weird considering his power set, but...
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's the joke. Yeah. Of, like, getting this guy who is just, like, the most balls-out, most powerful motherfucker in the world, but he's just super technical.
2: Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see with him inevitably grown up, and I don't know if they're gonna push the romance angle or not. It's just kind of there.
0: I hope they do. Like, this series has done a really great job of Undercutting your expectations, character interactions. like character interactions, and kind of undercutting your expectations of where you think things are going. Sometimes, like especially with like the really, really, really contrived things about shonen shonen series.
2: Yeah, yeah. and so particularly like I'm um, uh, looking at you, Naruto, fucking Sakura Sasuke bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so if that tri- if that trick solid up, like if that track continues, then hopefully will actually resolve this fucking romance shit and then have something interesting come out of it. Yeah. Because I would really like to see him like actually try to write Deku and fucking Urodaka in a fucking couple. That that's, That is an interesting story.
2: That's the thing. Like most shonen, they get to the start of a relationship. They don't want to write a relationship. Yeah. I think this might actually be a writer who's good at writing a relationship. Absolutely. That fucking makes sense.
0: No, I, I totally get what you're saying, dude. Like, it is... <laughs> like, a lot of fucking people who write shonen shit, it is... It is, like, first thing. It's like, first thing. Hey, we introduce things. Are they a couple? Who the fuck knows? Like do, like, do they like each other? Maybe. Will they end up together? Fuck you. And then it just kind of keeps going and going and going forever. I guess the end say, hey, I love yeah. you, and then that's it.
2: Which, I mean, and I kind of get that, because, like, most of the the audience for a shonen series are not usually particularly interested in that kind of thing, but my hero academia has been pretty good about bucking expectations for shonen at this point. And I don't, it's not, I don't want Deku to turn out like fucking Kirito. And I don't think he's going to, because this is a good writer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, like so far he has been like, so far he has been like a, a relative source of inspiration for his class, but, or like, you know, in the sense that he is really strong and they want to beat him. Yeah. But it's never been a... It's never been like, oh, Deku's so awesome. I want to fucking get his dick all up in me. Like, outside yeah. of maybe... Asui, there's kind of nobody else really into him.
2: Yeah, although Asui just seems to be into tonguing people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what happens but when we'll an Asui gets it. struck
2: by lightning? Interesting blowjob.
0: <laughs> oh, fucking! They got the lightning guy. That'd be a weird Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Just complete the circuit and see what
2: happens. Oh, I'm terrible. I think you've infected me.
0: <laughs> that's how. It, that's how it goes, dude. You've been here like what three years now? It's about time it happens.
2: Uh, it's been over three years, actually. <laughs> it was three years last April.
0: <laughs> okay, so 40 years then. So it's about yeah. fucking time it happened.
2: Yeah. So yeah, like Mashima's biggest problem is that I think it's just he's, he's gotten himself into a rut of just... He's written two 400 plus... 400, 500 plus chapters now that have done the exact same thing, basically. And I think that's his biggest problem. He needs to get out of his comfort zone which has yeah. been every series he's written since Rave Master. I think that's his biggest problem.
0: <laughs> write a fucking seinen drama or something, I don't know.
2: Yeah, uh, or shoujo romance, or... Psychological horror. Fuck, yeah, or a... Uh, or it, it, he, his attempts at writing a uh, 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 shoujo romance are so hilarious, it becomes an unintentional comedy.
0: Yeah, or write a shonen thing, but from like a villain perspective.
2: Yeah, and I don't, I don't mean, uh, and I don't yeah, mean like, me oh, and I don't
0: mean like, oh yeah, he's the fucking, he's technically the villain, but he acts the protagonist. I mean, like an actual, straight up, real villain. Like he starts out as a blackie, yeah, yeah, works about the ranks to be the fucking head of the fucking evil empire. No. Yeah.
2: no, I understand that. It, no, how, it's have, just have we had that? biggest, like I said, Mashima's biggest problem is just. Um. Can't think of anything off the top of my head. I feel like it's ha- it has happened. I just don't know.
0: Yeah, I need to look into that.
2: Yeah, but yeah, Machima uh, just when you inevitably start a new series, even if it looks the same, don't make it the same. I, like I, I can I can deal with you recycling your character designs, even though I wish you would recycle the exact same character designs. It's just. Do what um, Hiromu Arakawa did, we went from one of the greatest fantasy anime epics ever written to a slice-of-life farming drama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess actually, we're talking about this, it actually does kind of spark something in my head. Um, I have not read any or watched any Kuroko Nibasuke. Okay and from what we talked, you are at least, you are at least more familiar with it than I am. I am. Is, from what, from what you, uh, from like your history with that, and what you have read of, that guy's newest series, Robot Cross Laser Beam.
2: Yeah.
0: Is it a similar kind of thing with, uh, between uh, like with, uh, what you were talking about with Mashima where it's just like, hey, you stick in your lane, and it is, yep, that's your lane.
2: It's not quite the same, because, um, while the style of storytelling is the same for both series, he's going for a different main theme. Because, um, the the central theme of, uh, Kuroko is that the main character, Kuroko Tetsuya, was sort of the, uh, Unthought of sixth member of this team of really great middle school basketball players who are all like geniuses in their own right and thus created what's called the generation of miracles for this one school he has his own talents himself that make him very good and but he much less than any of the other five, he cannot function on his own whereas everyone else in the generation of miracles is is just sort of like a genius. Balls to the wall, awesome basketball player. Does everything that they can. Use can probably play the game themselves for the most part, even though they don't go that route usually. Uh, and he, when he, when Kuroko enters high school, he meets this Japanese American guy who's much more like um, the Generation of Miracles, Kagami Taiga, who is just like super competitive, really good, a lot of natural talent, but kind of swaggery and standoffish. But neither of them can really... And, of course, inevitably, he has to start playing against his old teammate. Kuroko needs to start playing against his old teammates in the tournaments. And they've, they've discovered that neither of them can really beat anyone in the Generation of Miracles by themselves. So they have to work better within the team. And that seems to be the central theme that the best goal in a team-based basketball sport like basketball is... Full integrated, all players, all members of the staff and team working together for, towards the same goal, instead of just having one awesome player basically carry the whole team, which is often, the, which is what they're just a contrast with all the teams that this generation of miracles made. it Or even if they have more than one talented player, they're not really a team; they're just a bunch of guys all playing on the same team.
0: Sorry, Do halfway through the discussion, I mean? halfway through that description, I started just watching reruns of Haikyuu in my head.
1: Yeah.
2: no. No, hi is much better at that because it's not as ridiculous. Because um and this is actually an improvement from uh, Robot x for, for Robot X laser beam over um where Crocino he, Basque he's just he's so laser focused on whatever he practices on a regular basis that he's just become insanely good just by doing the same thing over and over and over again, like clockwork. Yeah which makes a little bit more sense. Kuroko's big thing is that he has so little personal presence that people sometimes forget he's there. (laughs) And his big thing throughout the series is that he uses that lack of presence to essentially do sleight of hand on the basketball court where the ball keeps moving, but no one sees him, so they don't expect the ball to, like, get passed in a certain directions or get pushed around people.
0: I kind of want to check this out now just for this idea of like hey this guy is so fucking white bread boring that he's a magic basketball player.
1: Yeah,
2: you might enjoy it. I could I could send you some I think actually clips of like the first like little practice basketball game um, just amongst the members of the high school is going to might give you a sense of kind of the tone of some of the lighter stuff, but the plot heavier stuff is when they get into like the insane stupid sports powers. Like the thing that apparently every basketball player aims to get in this series towards the end is entering the zone.
0: Uh, (laughs) No, I just baby steps at this whole fucking arc where fucking H. I was just like, all right, I need to fucking study and figure out how to get into quote unquote the zone. Like, the zone is an actual technical term used in, like, for reals sports medicine.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: And not just some bullshit you shouldn't let Kanye in do.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, it, I enjoyed it for what it was. I just thought it got too ridiculous for its—and, of course, it, it being a, mellow, a, a melodramatic in sports series, uh, one of the villains has a split personality caused by years of domestic abuse. Naturally. But if you can avoid, if you can ignore those kinds of really stupid tropey elements, it's a, it's an enjoyable enough read. I, I'm the only one of my of the media horse group who kind of enjoys reading it because Caveman doesn't read sports series really. And as Korra has pointed out too many times, this is a level of ridiculous. He just doesn't play with in in sports manga. Yeah. So yeah, if I mean if you like ro- uh, robot. Uh, X laser beam, you might enjoy Krokonoposke. So I can at least recommend you look.
0: Yeah. And I've really been enjoying robot cross laser beam. It is. Yeah. I've been surprisingly into it.
2: Yeah. But... I was enjoying it more than I, ex- I, I'm enjoying it more than I expected to, because it's not doing this. It, this is what Moshima isn't doing. This, the characters all look the same. Like in style, like stylistically, but they don't look exact, but they're not like identical.
0: Yeah. It, but it they is, also, it is us. It is in the style of this guy, but it is not, but it is like, it's a style, not a design.
2: Yeah. And he's also not, he's not telling the same story. Cause like if you go from basketball, a team, a team based high energy athletic sport to golf.
0: Yeah. The dad sport. <laughs>
2: It's a transition in storytelling, but it's the same kind of characters, and I am enjoying it. I do like how he writes his sports characters. It's just a little bit less grounded and less immediately endearing as something like Haikyuu, but High is kind of the gold standard. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a good silver grade, not a gold grade. But you might enjoy it. If you like Robot X Laser Beam, at least check out Krokinovasuke.
0: Okay, then. So, uh, Train Force had to bounce internet problems yeah in the middle of our important. conversation, so it's this stupid family, apparently, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll just go into stuff we've been reading then um, uh, I got stuff, I got three manga I've never talked about before. okay, cool. so I got a horror one, a gag comedy thing, and a horror gag comedy thing. <laughs> Which one do you want to hear about first? What? And here you go. What? Which one do you want to hear about first? I got I got horror-ish, gag comedy-ish, and horror gag comedy-ish.
2: Let's go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Start with gag comedy and work your way towards horror.
0: All right. So, uh, Saru lock
2: Monkey lock
0: uh, the main character, his name is Saru. Uh well everybody calls him Saru because he has Saru in his name somewhere. And he's a locksmith. It is a Shonen series that deals really heavily with like episodic storytelling and sex. Like one of the one of the defining characteristics of like half our cast are the fact that they're virgins. Like when they do like, okay. like when they do like the title card, like introducing somebody, it will say, like, hey, this person, their age in parentheses, whatever high school student, virgin. And that is one of the big things about our lead, Saru. And a lot of and like there's a there is an inordinate amount of masturbation in this fucking book. Like just multiple pages of just a bunch of fucking teenage is, is boys that the joke? masturbating. I think that's that, meant to be is that the, the joke. joke? <sighs> yeah, I, it's so over the top about it and so fucking frequent that I think it's supposed to be the joke.
2: That So is there some specific reason for the, for the masturbation jokes, or is it just the joke is masturbation?
0: The joke is that all of these boys, despite wanting sex a lot, can't have sex. So they masturbate. Uh, I.
2: You know it's funny. This um, there's an anime on this season that deals with a group of characters that sound remarkably like this in the first five minutes. But the whole premise is that the problem with these care the problem is that these male characters have no social skills, and in this in the case of the anime in question Hajimete no Garu the whole point of that is that this guy asks out this chick that he thinks will be easy because he just wants to get laid and she does agree to date him but only when he agrees to grovel at her feet and not ask for sex for at least six months and they have to date that whole time
0: oh that sounds unhealthy <laughs> Like even by the weird fucking like climate of sex discussion over in Japan. That sounds just unhealthy. Like for anybody involved.
2: Yeah, it probably is. It's it's charming enough, from what I can tell. It's not really my thing, but it sounds it still sounds more entertaining than what you're describing, because the whole point of that is the dude is the dude in question is learning how to have normal conversations with a woman he's interested in that don't just rely around his dick.
0: Okay, that's a bit better, but... <laughs> it's a bit of a better message, like, hey, maybe don't think about sex all the time. Like, talk to people, you know? That's a good lesson. This doesn't really have lessons, because like, like the idea... So the thing that kind of got me into it was the description of the premise, because while it was described as an eshy series, th- th- there was nothing in the description about it that was like, hey, yeah, this is all about fucking sex and debts and stuff. Yeah. It was a shonen series about a locksmith. It's about this kid who is like, who like grew up, his parents own a locksmith place and he grew up around locks. And so now he is one of the best locksmiths. He's able to fucking unlock almost anything. He has, like, this full set of tools and, like, actually goes out on, like, for realsies locksmith jobs for his parents' shop. And that seemed interesting to me because, like, a lot of shonen shit, you don't get a lot of it around, like, very workman-like jobs. And that's kind of okay. what this is. Like, like, I like, the, like, I like the idea of, like, the audacity and the, like, just bigness of shonen shit, but for just, like, real... Down to earth stuff, like no nobody thinks like locksmith is an incredibly fucking no. Nobody nobody's fucking sitting in like fucking grade school, looking up into the sky, saying one day I'm gonna be a locksmith. That's just a job that people kind of just eventually find themselves in.
2: Yeah, because actually, um, I'm sorry, I was just I was showing caveman uh, an episode of Justice League Action yesterday that. Was possibly my favorite description of a good version of Booster Gold that he really, really liked. Because uh, B- Batman, of course, hates on Booster Gold because, you know, he's lazy, childish, doesn't really pay attention to anything, all that. He finds out in this episode because something's eating time and it causes a time disruption, Batman figures out that all, what. Booster Gold's doing in between all his fucking around with the Justice League, where he's actually saving the time stream constantly, and Batman's like, "Why are you never talking about this? It's like, it's just something I do. It's like you know, you know, sometimes you have rats in your house and you have to call a rat guy. It's like no one sets out to be the rat guy, but you know, someone's got to do it. So yeah, I'm time's rat guy.
0: Yeah, Booster Gold is the greatest hero the world's never known.
2: Yeah." Well when he's written correctly.
0: Yeah. Which is like thirty percent of the time. <laughs> the either yeah, every, everybody who writes him either writes him like all the way either end of the spectrum. He is either all the way just the fucking out for money, lazy asshole, or he is all or he is all the way like a good hero. Yeah. Which he's kinda neither.
2: This, he needs to be both. And I think this series has actually done a decent job of writing him like that because just two episodes after the one I just described, uh, Green Arrow got in trouble because Booster Gold brought dinosaurs back from the past for a money-making scheme. <laughs> but anyway, I'm distracting from anime. You continue.
0: Yeah, so so getting into this, I was expecting, like I said, the a Shonen series about a locksmith, and there are occasionally tits. Okay. Instead, it is... A Shonen series about locks and tits.
2: Is 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 the lock a metaphor for touching tits, or
0: the way he sometimes describes it? It kind of is.
2: Oh joy!
0: Like I think, I think, um, like there was there was some line I cannot remember how it actually went. But it was like there was like there's no lock in the world I can't caress open, including the lock to your heart.
2: Yeah, I was afraid they were going to go that the whole key lock ra- metaphor metaphor for not not even romancing, just scoring chicks.
0: Yeah, and again, there is interesting stuff in this. Like we, uh, there was a character who was introduced a few chapters in, who is the leader of a local gang. Like he is. <clears throat> he is a shonen he is a shonen author's idea of a yakuza. Okay. But without him actually being a yakuza because the actual yakuza they treat them like fucking terrifying people. Like so far one for real Z's yakuza member has shown up and he is this weird dude with like fucking gecko eyes and a gun. Who like kidnaps and abuses children. So, yeah, they don't, they don't go, like, full Yakuza, like, hey, fucking, join, join Organized Crime. But it's like, hey, yeah, a street gang sounds fun. You want to dropkick skeezy dudes in the middle of fucking Shinjuku? Go nuts, dog. And so there was something here for just a little bit. I was able to, like, see the beginning of something interesting. And then just tits. Just fucking... I mean, I want to get laid, and there was, like, three chapters about this, about, like, Saru and his entire classroom, trying to figure out, like, trying to see if this one really fat guy has a girlfriend, if he's had sex, and then horribly abuse him if he has. Yeah. Because uh, this is a plot point. Apparently, there is, in, like, the cleaning closet of their classroom, they have, like, you know, the seat chart, and... What would happen is anytime any any one of them lost their virginity, they would mark out their name with a red X. Because that's so important to them. Because they go to an basically all-male school.
2: Because yeah, apparently 80s gag manga like this are just trapped in the 1980s.
0: Yep. Which is unfortunate. I
2: yeah.
0: still really I want how many to see... Times this
2: has happened. I wonder how many times this has happened now? Where you and I have come across a manga or anime that had a good idea, but the tropes of the genre drag it down.
0: You yeah, only need like a chart or something or something that need to keep need to start like keeping specific track of it. Yeah, but yeah, I really want some fucking workman shonen.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can see that.
0: I want a fucking I want a fucking like shonen battle manga about being the best checkout guy in all of fucking Tokyo.
2: Oh, this is funny. One of the things I talk about might sound interesting to you, then, even though I have no idea if it's good or not. But I, I'll I'll let you finish before I talk about it.
0: Like, there's a fucking kid who one day hears about some dude who was like the best I don't know auto mechanic, and then he treats him like a little giant and is just like I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the next this guy. And then he starts like working on fucking just cars, and then is getting embroiled in all this other kind of shit where his like car mechanic skills come in handy. <laughs> that's the shit we need anyway, moving on to the next thing Bloody Delinquent Chainsaw oh,
2: well, this sounds up your alley
0: yes, so this is the horror gaggish thing I was talking about and the, the words that keep coming to coming mind the words that keep coming to my mind to describe it is grindhouse manga
2: Okay, I can see that. There've been some manga I've read that felt very grindhousey
0: because it is about a lady with big tits who fights an army of zombies with a chainsaw. Yeah. And but like a
2: special yeah. but
0: like a special borderline magic chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah, so Yeah, um, nothing
2: you're telling me is that shocking. So
0: Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like <gasps> I'm not trying to do a you
2: Which is weird, because I don't try to do me. I just somehow find the stuff that you're like,
1: oh my god, what is wrong with you?
0: <laughs> no, it's not even a what's wrong with you. It is, it's a what is wrong with this thing you're telling me about. Because the shit that you sometimes describe, it doesn't seem real. That fucking Starro Crypto crossover thing made that should not exist. <laughs> Anywho. So yeah, in this class, in this one high school class, there is a lady named Nero. Uh, One of her eyes is fucked, and it keeps fucking like flipping up and looking always up and to the left. And she is a mad scientist. Uh, One day, like over summer vacation or whatever, she finds a stray. She finds what she thinks is a stray cat, and then does science to it, and remodels it into a tank, into a cat, but with tank treads. Sure. <laughs> and you know, maggots are pouring out of its eyes, and the person who owned the cat is like, oh my god, you fucking monster, what have you done to my cat? And beats the shit out of her. So then she remodels the cat again into a spider tank with missiles, kills that girl and her entire family, and then slowly begins turning her classmates one by one into an army of zombies that are loyal only to her. And she does, yeah. this, and she does this to everybody in her class except one girl, a girl by the name of Giko, who lives in a junkyard and takes bath in an oil drum.
2: Uh, okay,
0: yeah, so one day uh she's just kinda like hanging out at her house or whatever, then some zombies show up, so she pulls out a chainsaw and cuts them in half. She then goes to her schools sure. yeah, she then goes to her school's um auto mechanics club and says, "Hey, modify my chainsaw and so they modify it so that it has a piercing shot where it essentially just like the handle is like stretches out by like ten feet uh the blade the teeth in the uh chainsaw are made out of titanium, and you can fire all the teeth off in a single direction. Uh, as some kind of gun, and then it is about, and then it is just a story of Geeko progressing along this path, trying to get to Nero, kill her, and then go back to living her life regular. Yeah, and it's kind of fun.
2: Does this, sound like, yeah, it sounds like fun. It just, it's, it's fun. I'm mild, I'm quite often familiar with so.
0: Yeah, I know it is.
2: Uh, I'm really enjoying. Like uh, it's like if you took Black Lagoon a couple of steps further.
0: Oh, like more than a couple. <laughs> I especially like the art style of it, because like a, especially in like recent chapters, there has been a good few fucking like pages worth of pe- pages worth of panels where all the main female characters are naked. But there's nothing sexual about it. Like, yeah, all of them have, like, giant tits and look like just, oh, yeah, the fuck is so fucking hot! And, like, fucking what... What, like, fucking small Tarantino. children... Like It's like what small children who are beginning to realize what sex is are, look at and go,
2: oh, my God, they're so hot! Like I said, Tarantino.
0: Like, even beyond Tarantino. <laughs> and... Yeah, like they're, they're like, all of them have fucking just huge tits and spend a lot of time naked, but at no point is it really sexual, despite the fact that one of the one of the like main zombies gets brought over to Geeko's side because she fingers her really well. Okay. And even with that, I I still didn't really get any kind of sexual anything from this.
2: Well, yeah, well, sometimes stuff like this. would Designing characters to look overtly sexualized sometimes isn't enough, particularly if you they're clearly trying to be sexualized. Like, say, um, High School of the Dead or Triage <laughs> X. Oh, that
0: fucking guy.
2: I I don't think that guy knows how to draw... Unless you you are underage, I don't think that guy knows how to draw a woman that's not sexualized. So... But even then, the proportions of his sexy characters are so absurd, you can't really be attracted to it, because you're like, okay, this could never exist. It's like being attracted to Jessica Rabbit. It it looks like it's there, but it's not. Yeah, but But even
0: even when it's not there, you realize that he is trying. He is trying to make this sexual, even though he doesn't know what sexual is. Yeah,
2: the the goal is sexual sexualization, not characterization.
0: Yeah, this feels more along the lines of almost exploitation. Okay. Where, like, yeah, we yeah, I know I have to have this shit in it, but I'm more interested in like the violence because like Geeko is an incredibly violent character, and the world itself is incredibly violent, and like her one of her like best friends or whatever is a person by the name of Brawling Lucifer who fights zombies on the same level of geek on the same level as geeko but only using her bare hands. And yeah, it's just kind of fun. Like yeah, this isn't really for everybody or almost anybody really, but I do kind of enjoy it. Like, I've, I've been reading it for a while, and I'm still going to keep, I plan to keep reading it. And it's this weird, nice middle ground between what I, uh, it's, a weird, it's a weird, nice, like, it's a step back from what I usually read in this kind of vein. Mm. Like, when I talk about series that are increasingly violent or have, like, gore be a central component of it, it is usually, it is usually kind of disgusting. Not because it's gore, but because of how they show it and the context of the gore itself. Like, I've talked about many a series on here that are kind of disgusting. This one has an almost similar, like, basically an equivalent level of gore to it. But the context and the way that it is drawn and shown within the actual series itself... I don't see anybody masturbating to this is, uh, as I guess, the point I'm trying to drive home. Which is good. This is just some good old-fashioned wholesome murder. But I can get into that. So yeah, bloody Link with Chainsaw. Okay. Yep. If you haven't checked it out, check it out, maybe. All right. Uh, final thing Wait, is... So- yeah, final thing is Wonderland.
2: Okay, not Dead Man Wonderland, I'm assuming.
0: Nope, just Wonderland. Okay. So, one day, a prefect in Japan all wake up and discover that everybody is about two inches tall.
2: Of a prefect?
0: I, I don't know, like a district or whatever. I, oh, I don't, a
2: prefecture. Okay, yeah, prefecture. Okay, that's He's what right.
0: it is. Pre, a prefecture. Yeah, just like yeah. just like some Pre-
2: prefect made, made me think you were talking about Ford prefect, and this was suddenly the Hitchhiker's Guide universe.
0: No, sorry, I forgot. I I thought that was the word, but I I more prefecture. Just a district of Tokyo. Just a district of Japan is all of a sudden everybody's two inches tall. Okay. And for a while, that seemed just to be like the that seemed to be the plot. The plot was just, "Hey, everybody's two inches tall. Look at these unexpected instances instances of horror." Like, like, the, like a main character, a high school girl. She like looks at her window and sees just a bunch of crows just tearing people to shreds. She like goes, she like goes, uh, she like goes downstairs to try to like find her mom and dad. Her mom and dad are like hiding in this sink because the cat is trying to kill them. Not not like maliciously or anything. Just like, hey, look, small things. I'm gonna play with them, persh, and then smacks then smacks her fucking arms into the wall. And they're just, oh, fuck, God, my bones. And it's yeah, it's, about, it's about this girl just trying to like go out and find like try to get out of the district, try to find her friend, try to figure out what the fuck's happening. And along the way, she comes across Alice, a bizarre, okay. a bizarre animalish person. Who speaks in wingdings? Has a fucking sword and a suit of armor, and is the one who caused all of this because she doesn't like frogs.
2: Okay.
0: This isn't very good. A bit of
2: a, yeah, it was like a bit of a disconnect there. I'm not quite seeing the logical chain, but
0: yeah, like uh. We we don't get this until, like, one of the more recent chapters where we learned some part of the horrific backstory to Alice where she was from some fucking research lab that was working on, like, sonic powers or something. And so, yeah, then we see her fucking backstory and she was being taken into fucking Tokyo to meet one of the other kids in the experiment. She's like, I don't want to meet him. So then she shrinks everybody in the car down, steps out of the car, sees a frog, screams, then everybody in the prefecture turns small. And that's the point where I'm just like nope fuck this. I nope. This had an idea. I was a bit wary when Alice showed up, but then Alice just fucking sent the whole thing over the goddamn shark.
2: Yeah, it does sound like it's a dumb premise,
0: which is unfortunate because again, the idea of the idea of like a horror series where the whole, where the whole conceit of the horror is that everybody is way smaller than they're supposed to be. That's the fucking incredible yeah, it's shrinking. Like, man. It's the
2: real world. It, like yeah, it's the real world, except a portion of it is not the correct size, and thus a normal world becomes anything Gosh. but. now that's a perfectly fine premise. It's just Alice doesn't like frogs, so she causes a prefecture in Japan to shrink. Sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know why that is in this, like other than other than the, for the title to make sense. Cuz you know it's Alice in Wonderland. Get it?
2: I really hope I really hope they didn't like force those plot twists just to include the title.
0: No, I think the guy wrote it with those plot twists in mind and then came up with the title.
2: That's actually worse. Because apparently no one in his life said that's stupid, sir. Stop.
0: Yeah. Man, other than like those things, I've mainly just been sticking to the usuals.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I have not. Um, I've read a couple. I've read and watched a couple things out of my comfort zone. One of which I don't know how I feel about it.
0: But yeah, well, why is that?
2: Get to that? Oh, it's one of the new anime this season. Not the one I mentioned. Um, you've probably seen ads for this one. Gurui.
0: It sounds vaguely familiar.
2: Okay. So this is a dark, sexualized thriller about a high school full of nothing but compulsive gamblers.
0: <laughs> okay that's an idea
2: and like the entire social hierarchy of everything even possibly up to including the teachers is determined by how much of another person's debt you have or how much money you have won or the number of times you've won games and the main female character uh I can't remember how to say her name. It's not it's not the title. It's something it's something normal. Yumiko she looks normal and Yeah, that's I think that's it. I just couldn't remember which character it was. Um so, when it's in a, with, with a school full of obsessive gambling ass addicts, even by their standards, she's crazy. Because the rest of them also understand that yeah, we have to gamble in this school to get ahead. But they also, because this school is, you know, an evil anime school, cheating is, of course, allowed as long as you can get away with it. Naturally. And the main character, she deliberately says at the end of the first episode, after she manages to win a rigged game, a rigged game rigged against her, I'm actually glad you told me, because, like, this other guy that she got in she got involved in this game because another guy had gotten way too much debt with this crazy blonde bitch, and she won a huge amount of money in a uh not Indian poker uh blackjack um I don't know why but Indian poker or something oh it's the most recent episode um she specifically because t- like he to apologized because he was forced to be in on the game against her. And when she finds this out, she says, oh, thank God. Thank you for telling me. That way, because uh, it, it, she's like, well, why are you thanking me? I was trying to rig the game against you. He's like, I know. But if it was a fair game, I would win regardless. And I prefer games where I have no clue whether or not I can win. At which point, she borderline finger bangs herself in front of him at the thought of a game of a true test of chance. And he's just like, it, it, I I. I I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically the episode ends with him going, This bitch be Cray.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keep in mind that this guy is a, a regular student at a school of gambling addicts, and he is still like, This bitch be Cray.
0: <laughs> no, no, yeah. Yeah, I got that. I think it says something about me that the more you talk about the show, the more I want to watch it.
2: Yeah, no, I'm sure. It, It sounded like... That's kind of the reason I wanted to talk about it on the show, because it sounded like it was up your alley. The only... The problem for me... Like, I don't have a problem with a dark anime take on uh, dealing with the problems of aggressive gambling addiction. I think that's actually not a bad idea for a dark thriller involving teenagers. Uh It's just all of the overt sexualization gets a little ridiculous. (laughs) Like... The entire ending credits scene is just the main female character doing a sexy dance, steadily taking off her clothes and getting aroused as a blooming flower is in the background.
0: You know, symbolism. Subtlety.
2: <laughs> subtlety. That, From what I can tell just from one or two episodes, this show has no subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> in the fourth episode, they have a girl with a loaded... They're doing... They do... Um, Russian roulette with a three fifty seven Magnum.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, the best gun to do that with. Surprised they didn't get us oh. like a fifty cal pistol.
2: Okay. It was like, hey, you're playing Russian
0: roulette with a semi-auto.
2: <laughs> okay, I don't mean to cause dead air, but this is just something annoying in the background I got to take care of. Hold on.
0: Okay, then. I guess I'm here. I, myself, oh, God, I'm so alone. Yeah, as if I can, just go back to, uh, Robot Laser Beam for a second, and actually kind of villains, uh, recent chapters, I've kind of been dealing with, um, this one new villain, well, villain, I say, as much of a villain as you can get in, like, sports shit, well, I'll keep being, like, actually about the sport. I can't remember his real name, but they call him, like, the Emperor or something, and I am really digging him. It's specifically because of one cutaway flashback kind of thing. So when he's first introduced, he is introduced in like, almost like a particular, like, a traditional villain kind of introduction of, like, we see him from the back, and then his fucking, like, shirt flaps in the breeze like a cape, and then we see him, and he's just fucking, like, down glaring. Then, then, we, then he meets our fucking main character. He's like, I come to challenge you, like some fucking asshole. And then immediately at the beginning of the next chapter, we just see him crying in a fucking video Skype call saying, But you're supposed to be my rival. There's a really good way to set him up as a villain and then immediately undercut him with his own
2: patheticness. I clearly jumped in at the wrong point in this conversation.
0: <laughs> I was talking about the Emperor from Robot Cross Laser Beam.
2: Oh right, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And how i really, really enjoy that villain.
2: Yeah, no, I'm 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 looking forward to his um, standoffish arrogance slash petty patheticness. Yeah,
0: I'm waiting for him to
2: slash slight slight degree of stalking the entire main characters team. From that looks like.
0: Oh yeah, at least a couple. are gonna be members. fucking waiting. <laughs> There's gonna be a scene of like him standing outside fucking robots room with a fucking standing outside robots window with a boombox. Just come play golf with me. You're my rival.
2: Yeah, well, actually, knowing him, it'd be the. I'm alright. Don't <laughs> nobody worry about me.
0: Yeah, He's singing that like quietly to himself. He's just in. He's just in Robot's room, just staring at him.
2: Uh. Anyway, okay, so, so Kagiguri, I it's well animated. I'll say that it <laughs> looks good. It's just, the sexiness is, at some point, the sexiness is played up to a deliberately dark degree that it's grotesque. Like, this girl seems to have her O-face when she is throwing a knife at a guy because he lost a game of blackjack. Naturally. So, with stuff like that happening, I can't tell if the, I'm... I want the overt sexualization removed or if I just want it constantly used nothing, for nothing but dark, disturbing scenes of like the main character getting herself off as she's about to lose a game of Indian poker or a one-eyed chick um, fondling herself as she's playing Russian roulette with a load 357 Magnum.
0: Does anybody I, say Diddy Mao?
2: Not to my knowledge, but Shit. some... I thought
0: that was, like, common courtesy, like, etiquette for Russian roulette. Uh,
2: I, I don't know. but um, I saw the Deer Hunter-ish. The main... <laughs> but, um... It, oh, God. There's so much weird... Like, this seems so much more like something you'd watch than me. So. Yeah, yeah but,
0: totally. Like, what you've been describing, I'm like, alright, so is this on Crunchyroll, or...?
2: <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's on Crunchyroll. That's why I had to look a little bit to find it, but, um... Oh, this thing is just maybe it is on control, and I just have I just wasn't looking properly. But well, while um,
0: you're parsing that, and speaking of dead air,
2: I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, uh, I don't know how to talk. It's so I feel like Dead Man is better equipped to talk about this kind of series than I am because. Whenever I watch this kind of series, my initial reaction and constantly ongoing reactions often just, oh, 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 ew, no, no, ew, no, no. There is, from everything I've seen Dead Man talk about, it's just nothing but, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Sweet. Yeah, that's what I go for. I'm broken inside. That's everything that... It's it's clear that from everything I see that this is supposed to be intentional. It's supposed to be this fucked up. It's just... This kind of deliberate, exploitative sexualization, in addition... That I just... I don't... I need dead Man to talk about the series because all I'm just like, ew, that's gross. Sense that's a a dark, twisted thriller based on a very real problem that I have rarely seen talked about in such dramatically fucked up terms. For everything you you've described you, about the show,
0: it doesn't seem like it's a show that's actually addressing the fact that gambling addiction is a problem. Like, like is this as far as I can. Like is the school set up in such a way that like, hey, this is a school where like problem gamblers go, or is it just like, hey, this is a school where problem gamblers happen to go? Like, was it set up with the intention of like being like essentially like gamblers anonymous, but in a high school, and then just turned into, hey, yeah, we just still gamble everywhere, or like th- like everything you've said about it, at no point at no point should I like. This doesn't sound like the kind of series that at the end of it would like in the credits would have like a thing that says, hey, gambling is a real problem. If you have if you're suffering from gambling addiction yourself, call this number.
2: See, that's the thing. This this walks that weird line between exploitation and dark satire. So I don't know how it falls. And it kind of depends on your own interpretation, I guess. Like it. It feels to me like because like, like the male character I mentioned earlier, he kind of hangs out with the female character. And also there seems to be this indication that um, the rest of them have a, a gambling problem in the school, but they all are at least the wor- the the richest ones have the worst gambling problem. But there's also the snobbery of because we're the best, we deserve to cheat and own every other everyone else the main character seems to be the only one who gives absolutely no shit about where she is in the pecking order and doesn't care if she gets bullied or takes on other people's debts that she then has to win or lose in more gambling scenes or like cross team gambling scenes. And the degree to which she is just this obliv- uh, completely oblivious to any sort of social situation that's not gambling related seems to suggest that at least her her problem is the gambling problem. But I, I, there's other characters. And I'd have to see your reaction to them to see what you think. But, um...
0: Yeah, the way, like, side, talking I, about it, like while well, it's not like a perfect one-to-one, this seems more like it's about fucking, like, the classism in Japanese high schools.
2: Yeah, like, like most of it's about the classism, but the main character is a flat-out gambling addict. Like... She sounds like a gambling fetishist. Probably to some extent, because, like, there's, and that's the other thing, like, all the weird fetishization, I can't tell if it distracts from this or perversely works for an idea of someone with an addict with major addiction problems. Like, there's the scene where this character gets all these, like, you know, the horrible, like, slut shaming type insults on her desk. And the main male character, the male, like, side character comes up to kind of console her for what happened. And she lays down on the ground and does the cat pose you see in like anime, like pose videos. If you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like, like just like, like fold it, like arms in close, fold the wrist, legs up.
2: Yeah. And so he's just, and that's, the, and that's a, the main male character seems to recognize that there's something wrong with her, but you know, teenage boy.
0: Yeah, it's like, hey, she got, hey, like, yeah, there's something horribly wrong with her, but like, I'm a teenager, she got tits, so fuck it.
2: Yeah. So he, he seems to be her only true ally at this point, but the way the series seems to be progressing, because everyone's out for themselves and because they're, like, group gambling games at this school there seems to be a sense that enemies have to work together at certain points throughout the series they seem to be setting that up going forward but i don't know so this sounds up more up your alley than mine so i might watch another episode or two just to get a sense a better sense of it but i kind of want your opinion on this one
0: yeah i've been seeing the manga of this just all the time on this one manga side i always go to yeah I and we, i just never really got in i just never really clicked on it to actually read it for whatever reason
2: yeah the sexualization might actually be worse than the manga i don't know because this has to air on tv and it's, you know, it's japanese tv but it's still tv manga there's no rules
0: <laughs> yeah believe me i know
2: <laughs> okay but yeah that was just a little outside of my comfort zone so i i can't tell if it's good or bad Okay. There's a lot of good things about it, but it's just kind of weird. <laughs> so <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that you was t- on the
0: joke? That, that was weirdly timed. So as soon as so I was looking at that manga site again, and there was just a book just called like Household Affairs. I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this about? And then the second he said. He's like I said, It's just kind of weird. I read the description of it, which is: neglected housewife commits adultery with the delivery boy, but unbeknownst to her, her husband is an assassin.
2: <laughs> it sounds like the setup to a joke, not the series. <laughs>
0: yeah this this is um, this is some Harlequin romance shit right here.
2: Yeah, I mean, J- when Japan gets into Harlequin romance melodrama, it gets fucked. <laughs> Like, there's yeah. this series that's entirely about an eighteen year old girl who is the daughter of the president of the g the company of the what this that this one guy works for, and she has decided that because she was briefly sexually attracted to him that she must destroy him his entire life yeah naturally uh, but anyway um speaking of the thing um you were talking about running a like blue collar series. Uh, Exterminator. Yeah,
0: that's blue collar.
2: Yeah. So this is a uh, trapped in another world fantasy series where the main character dies and comes back to life in a fantasy world but with absolutely no special skills, powers or weapons or knowledge of any kind. So he had of course had to make money just to get food and shelter so he basically figured out a way to do medieval pest extermination.
0: Okay, yeah, I yeah, I'm down for that.
2: Yeah, there's only one chapter out so far, but like, uh, there's not much out yet. I can't get a sense of where it's going yet. It's much more comedy than I was expecting. Well, and no, I was expecting comedy. It's just it's some of the moments. I'm not sure what direction they're going to go. If they're going to go power creep, or if they're just going to go that this guy's going to level up and he has all these. Okay, so when he figures out that there's this quest that no one wants to take because it's essentially just dealing with thousands and thousands of rats in the sewers, uh, he says, okay, I'll take it. I mean, I'm technically an adventurer because I get paid to do some stuff like that, but I just dealt with it. So once he figures out, okay, I, now I just need to figure So he goes to, he wants to figure out, okay, I need to exterminate these rats. I just got to figure out how to make poison in this fantasy world. So he goes to see this Elven potion maker, elderly woman who he convinces to sell him her poison making ingredients for relatively cheap so he can make so he can try to do this and he it's a terrible recipe which involves um if I recall correctly uh gutting a dead pig and like smearing its innards all over a mixture of specific herbs and making them into little balls then you didn't have to let ferment for a couple of hours to po- and he's doing this in town, and the head of the guild says, Okay, you have to leave town while you're doing this because you're literally stinking up the entire city.
0: Yeah, that tracks. Not exactly not a whole lot of fumigation tents yeah. in medieval times. And actually, this kind of this kind of takes out another box of something that I've found myself weirdly interested in lately, is non standard East Sky stories.
2: Yeah, well I mean that's that's always what happens when you have a genre that's ubiquitous. You look yeah. for the stuff that's not just doing what everything else is doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like um like you know fucking Re:Zero and Rise of the Shield Hero fall into that category too. Uh that spider book I've been reading is falling into that category too. Yeah. Konosuba. <laughs> and this seems right of that alley of just just some fucking like yeah, I died, so you guys got a rap problem?
2: Yeah. And it's working. Like He he kills um, if I recall I'd have to look at the number again. I think he kills about 500 to 1,000 rats in the course of a couple of days. Once he realizes poison works, he just has to keep switching it out every now and again. And he has to provide evidence that he killed the rats so he cuts the tails off after he bur- when, when he burns the bodies. And literally um, the, the job, unfortunately, was sort of open-ended because, you know, pest pest problems are huge pest problems. So you kind of expect someone to just deal with a bunch of them and then stop, but he's kind of systematically dealing with the entire thousands and thousands of rats problem to such that because it's, it's, it's pay per rat. Uh um, The government literally tells him to stop (laughs) because he's bankrupting their economy, how much they have to pay him. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah, that sounds kind of great.
2: And the other funny thing is he technically gets Adventure Point experience for killing each of these rats, so he jumped from level 1 to 36. And he realized this when he tries to open the door to the guild and accidentally throws it across the room. (laughs)
0: Is Exterminator a prestige class? I don't know. That'd be interesting. Like, what if what if that's the way the story goes? The story just goes in such a way that like he becomes the most powerful person in the land, but only at exterminating small pests.
2: Yeah, that'd be an interesting way to go about it. I'm so just like curious. So like, so like it's like,
0: so like every fucking like level ninety nine adventure it just heads out on some fucking big quest thing, and meanwhile he's just like looking at looking at like a hill of ants, and then the ants just all of a sudden burst into flames. Or, yeah. like, like watch no, the place, be- like, yeah, you got termites. Just knocks the wall, all the termites just die and fall out of the woodwork. That'll be 50 gold. It's a power creep, but it's a power creep of his level of extermination.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> to the point where he is just the God exterminator, but still. But like, God exterminator is about a couple tiers up from, like, the regular person in the village.
2: Yeah. Again, and I'm curious how this is going to play out because, like, this is a clearly a just a. I've only read the initial chapter; nothing else has come out yet. But this seems like a decent enough premise, both for some comedy and some fun twists on the isekai genre. So I just I kind of want to read a couple more chapters to see how it goes. And again, this all like you said, this sounds like something that kind of scratches that itch you were looking for with like a non standard uh working class fantasy story.
0: Yeah, I'm like I'm looking at it right now. Even though he's in this fucking, even though he's in like a fucking fantasy world, still just wearing a jumpsuit. It's yeah. like a jumpsuit and a hard hat. You know, exterminators. Yeah, I'm totally into that. I am down for this. I will let you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Let's. I think that's it for stuff that's um, out of my comfort zone really at this point. I have I've looked at um, Stanley's reflection <laughs> and I know, I know that's, that's weird to say, but that is technically what I have to, I guess I could say Stanley's the reflection to be more specific, but you know what I'm referring to, right?
0: Uh, I do not actually, I have not actually heard of this. What the fuck?
2: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So on some occasions, Stanley has partnered with Japanese companies to make anime yeah. or manga in the past. This is his newest version of it, called the Reflection, which seems to—I uh, don't know how to describe it because let me see if I, while I'm talking, I'll look picture. Of, of the reflection to show after you the reflection, it's like
0: it's a, some people, are, yeah, some of the people in all parts of the world are discovered with superpowers. Some become heroes and others villains. How did the reflection happen? What was the cause of it? Well, with many unsolved mysteries, the world is led into turmoil. Yeah, no, and it's starring Sky High from Tiger and Bunny and Cyclops. Yeah, I was trying to
2: find a a, a bit from it, if I had to describe the animation, it looks like it's somewhere in between um, what you would get from, say, um, uh, trigger and I don't know. how to, It's it's like somewhere in between trigger and like a, a rotoscope thing. I don't know. Like I don't know how to describe it because like all the all of the Normal character designs look super flat and generic, but there's this super weird stylization to all of the reflection superhero type. Let me see if I can find a decent picture to show you.
0: Uh, I've seen pictures of it. I've I've been looking up. I'm looking up as you've been talking about it.
2: Okay. Yeah, but it's just... I don't know how to feel about this one because it's just... It's, I, mean, still gives, I mean, Stanley, for a number of years now, he's just created stuff because he wants to, and we kind of treat it like, okay, Grandpa, okay, just go back and enjoy your millions and billions of dollars. It's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems to be sitting somewhere in the middle for people.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not as bad as some of his worst creations, like, say, Stripperella, but... It's I don't know where if it's above that, but I don't know where I'd place it on the stand of some of like his TV movie Marvel type stuff, which has been hit or miss. Like I think my favorite is in like the mid two thousands. He did a straight to DVD superhero animated movie about a Hispanic superhero who uh, is just a guy on a skateboard, except that he uh, his let his arms were replaced with cybernetic ones to help him be a skateboarding superhero. (laughs) Because, sure.
0: Yeah, that sounds kind of (laughs) cool. Or the very least interesting.
2: Yeah. Everything else... I'm going to watch a little bit more of this just to get a sense of... Because, like, particularly with a series like this, you have to watch more than one episode because... Oh, now I know what it reminds me of. Do you remember Beautiful Joe? Yeah that's what this reminds me of that just looking at some of the stuff in the background, that's like, okay, that's clearly what it is. I just, I just had to think about it for a bit and and, Hey, that could work. I mean, anime is known for, for weird image designs and it's, it's not as weird as that, um, Neil Patrick Harris, Spider-Man series from the early two thousands, which I think Cora showed you.
0: Yeah, I think he did. That
2: oh, <laughs> it, it was all like early 2000s CG.
0: Yeah, ugh,
2: <laughs> ugh, yeah. So this works better than that, obviously, mainly because I think the stylization helps to hide. And there's probably some CG elements in this. I just can't see them as clearly because it's all so stylized. But that might be for the best, you know, like cell shading helps hide problems with CG sometimes. So I I can't really tell with this one. This one's it's up in the air at this point, Mom. but yeah. Uh, other than that, I just briefly wanted to mention um, restaurant at the end of the world again. It's, it's not any more interesting than it was. It's just, I kind of liked the weird direction they went with the way they told this episode, because the first half is like you're watching a nature documentary, mm-hmm. like with the uh, with the, like the mostly silent character, because it focuses on a bunch of a, a tribe of lizard men, and they have an uh, omnipotent, omnipotent narrator saying, "And these are the lizard men going about their daily routines." On a yearly basis, they have a a, a contest of champions to decide who the elder warrior, elder hero of the tribe is. Elder, the tribe hero is required on a weekly basis to go through this door and fill out, and he is taught the magic words to say to get the ancient feast from behind this door. The ancient words being um, one Oma rice bowl, three more to go. <laughs> and they actually continue the Nature documentary narration while he's eating, <laughs> which I find kind of hilarious. And
0: here you see the, and here you see the local restaurant patron in his natural habitat. Come on, <laughs> let's have a close look. Yeah, just, just, like, just like grabs weird. the food off his plate and he just starts going for it. Like, oh, she's a flashy one, ain't
2: he? No, no, he actually eats like a civilized creature. <laughs> And I think they actually go into that as like, he explains in uh, ridiculous detail him picking up the knife and fork and splitting off different parts to enjoy the different ingredients in an omelet rice bowl.
0: You know a bit more about Japanese than I do, but does he, but does he sound like he's doing it in what is the equivalent, in what is the Japanese equivalent of an Australian accent?
2: It, it, I can't tell.
0: <laughs> okay. Because for whatever reason, nature documentaries, they are all redubbed in my head. Even Morgan Freeman ones with an Australian accent.
2: Do they ever end with him going, shoot that motherfucker? Nope. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's basically it for me. I'm still enjoying uh, Restaurant at the End of the World, but it is very much a pick up wherever you want and watch as many episodes as you want. There's no real investment in a story at this point.
0: Uh-huh. All right, Cool. So, doesn't Marine watching? Then on the news, we only have one piece of news this week, but it's a doozy of one. So, this past week, at an event celebrating the 20th anniversary of this series, it was announced that there will be a live-action Eastern adaptation of One Piece.
2: You mean Western?
0: Uh, did I say oh wait, no! Oh,
2: a, oh, Japan's making a live action One Piece TV show. I for I remember hearing this. I just
0: no. This is Western. This is Tomorrow Studios partnered with Marty Adelstein, the the guy who worked on Prison Break and Teen Wolf. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. This is <laughs> this is the same little bitty of people who are doing that live action live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop.
2: Yeah. No. Cowboy Bebop I can see working better than One Piece. I don't know why you would make One Piece live action.
0: Yeah, I don't think One Piece can work in one in live action, even if it is Japanese. Like it is way too It's way too, it's too anime. It's
2: Japanese and it's 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 too anime. It's too cartoony even by anime standards. Like I am so, even with CG, I'm trying to get hard to believe anyone could take Chopper seriously in live action.
0: Oh no, nobody could. Nobody could take half of these characters seriously in live action. Like fucking Brook? Yeah, Brooke. Uh yeah. Oh you could, like, the
2: only, like, the, like like Brooke yeah, Brooke, Chopper, Jim Bay, uh the like, fuck pretty much all the villains basically. <laughs> like Whitebeard. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, that that one dude who can't wink from those like Sunset Riders or whatever the fuck their name is.
2: Yeah, or um, most of CP9. <laughs> yeah, like of <laughs> CP9,
0: like what Rob Lucci and the Wolf guy. Maybe Spandam, maybe Spando, because he kind of looks like fucking. He kind of looks like McFoley.
2: Yeah, I don't know why... Whose idea was this?
0: Apparently Tomorrow Studios, because they're the ones fucking heading this shit. Yeah, what the... The name keeps popping up, but I'm not entirely sure what they do.
2: What, Tomorrow Studios? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like, um... Sometimes production studios, they just want ideas out there and they'll make those ideas happen, but they don't have any idea what to do with them. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, uh, let's see if there's anything interesting, because apparently uh, Tomorrow Studios is also called ITV Studios. Um, Yeah, and it's
0: listed in this article as two separate entities.
2: Yeah. Oh, wait, no, and actually. I
0: oh, Tomorrow Studios is a collaboration between Marty Adelstein and ITV.
2: Yeah. And... Yeah, they uh, have... Yeah, they have two real shows. A, yeah, two real shows. They've, uh, well, Aquarius, from what I've heard, is not good. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's done. Did they seriously make a TV show out of Snowpiercer? Because that's a dumb idea. Yep, it's coming. <laughs> and they make a Hannah TV show for Amazon. What the hell is The Lizard King? Let the right Those one in. Those sound like good ideas.
0: You know that one about vampires?
2: Oh, they did that? Okay. Uh,
0: well, the, Well, they're doing a new one. Oh, oh. yeah, a TV show, best time.
2: Remake, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I can't get a sense of, like, a creative vision from what I'm looking at here. This just seems like this is a studio that wants to make things and sometimes allows people to make things and make things happen. I have no idea beyond that, and it's honestly... Like we said, we don't even need to look at the production studio because just the idea of making a one-piece anime, a One Piece live-action TV series is a dumb idea.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible, yeah, like they, terrible they they idea. Couldn't,
2: they, they couldn't make a good live-action Ghost in the Shell movie, so I don't see how they could possibly make a good or even interesting live-action One-Piece series. It would, it would be it would end up looking like fucking asylum made it probably
0: <laughs> oh god yeah like i
2: cuz like, the we, sheer we, amount of cg means they would do it cheap since it's on a tv budget unless i, I don't see this having game of thrones budgets yeah per this, is, this is not
0: 10 million an episode material
2: like so even they're the fucking gonna do it,
0: even I, the anime I, is fucking ghetto
2: yeah So like they're either gonna do this on the cheap or they're gonna do like a bunch of editing so that they don't ever actually have to show anything, at which point why would you make One Piece in the first place?
0: Yeah, how much you wanna
2: Because as cheap and ghetto as One Piece is, the anime still shows shit.
0: How much you wanna bet that if this ever actually does come to fruition, they're gonna take out as much of the magic shit as they can?
2: Probably.
0: So, like, Luffy, instead but... of being a guy who, like, punches people with rubber arms, he just punches people. He's just a fucking brawler.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, Zoro, instead of okay. using three swords, he just has, like, some, like, weird, like, sword, like, three blades like next right next to each other, kind of like kind like Zuko's, like, weird twin blades. Chopper is gonna just be a dude in a top hat. Brooke's gonna look like fucking Dr. Death from the Blackbeard crew. This all sounds terrible. I know I'm yeah. making it up, but this is my head cannon and now it all sounds terrible.
2: Yeah. Just, I'm just almost in a bet with... I almost want to make a bet with... Is this supposed to come out, does it say, or is it just like they've announced they're doing it?
0: It has announced they will be producing it.
2: Okay, so that means years away, so who knows. But I almost... Like, when it gets closer, if they release stills or anything, just make a bet with you, it's like, okay, I win if it's all CG, but it's so ghetto that it looks like asylum. You win if, if they just show absolutely nothing.
0: <laughs> no, nothing. No, not that they show nothing. It's that they remove everything.
2: Yeah, one or the other, or where the goal is, they try to get away with it by doing it as minimalist as possible. So somehow Luffy just like gets to the top of a ship, and you have no idea how. <laughs> Yeah, or like, yeah, parkour, no, maybe, or something.
0: Like, there's not, there's not even the top of a ship because every, cause instead of going like you know, Golden Age of piracy, they go Black Lagoon piracy, which is just everybody's in fucking metal boats. There is no mast, there is no sails, and everybody has a fucking gun. So like, fuck all your, fuck all your like fucking fancy, interesting weapons. The climb attack? Fuck that shit. Nami has a fucking pistol.
2: Oh god, do you think... I, I don't know if they would do... It depends on who they market this for. Do you think they would let San... Do you think they'd pull a four kids thing where they make Sanji keep the lollipop?
0: <laughs> you know what? I would be way more into this. I, I would actually be super into this if it was... If it was like yeah, so they took out all the magic shit, they started doing like everything as looking like dark and serious as they possibly can, but they still keep all the four kids' edits. <laughs> so they go up against Don Krieg and it is this fucking like dark this dark, horrible, like war shit. But then when he goes and shoots Livy with his fucking like giant spike can it's just all suction cups.
2: No, yeah, or the, they pull a bandit Keith and he's shooting him with, with finger guns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just he just is he pulls up the shield which has all the fucking weapons in it, and it's just his finger, but blown up to shield size? Okay, I'm now kind of into this.
2: Well, because we're riding a train wreck.
0: Yes, we are. We are riding a train wreck. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so, 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 so uh, stay tuned for this our is Kickstarter. The same
2: level, yeah, this is on the same level as when we were we were. Uh, brainstorming the worst possible ideas for a David Goyer Green Lantern movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh. like, like, Tom like Hardy is essentially the Punisher. Yeah. Like red-haired Shanks uh, didn't lose his arm saving Luffy. He just like, got in a car accident. <laughs>
0: No, Luffy cut off his arm in a drunken rage.
2: Yeah, or like, it's Sanji, his whole thing is he wants to go, he wants to train to be the worst cook in the world. <laughs> like, until yeah, he, he kills s- the entire crew, he'll never be satisfied.
0: Yeah, and he specifically goes out of his way to make sure he uses knives in combat.
2: But like, toy knives. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like the knives that you give children when they when you come out to cook.
2: Yeah, or like There's like, there's like bright red guy. made
0: of fucking linoleum, but they can't cut shit except for tomatoes.
2: Yeah, like a plas- or like a plastic cheese knife.
0: <laughs> Nami's like a terrorist. Just going to, to take down the world government through any means necessary to save my yeah. village.
2: Miko's a masseuse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh.
0: Jim Bay's a former Olympic swimmer who got kicked out for doping.
2: Or actually, um he he's the result of the of the actual um race between um uh, crap! What's that? Michael Phelps and a shark.
0: <laughs>
2: <sighs> like uh, the ideas we have. This a is why we don't like television. But... Yeah. Well, then th- also, I get the impression whatever we come up with will be no better than what they come up with. It'll just be more interestingly bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah, that's kind of our niche. Our niche is interestingly terrible. Uh, anyway, that's good enough for this week.
2: <laughs> Thank you all wow, for joining that's us. Rigging <laughs> We'll be back
0: uh, in two weeks' time with an episode of the Dastorprides Anime and Manga Podcast. In between now and then, though, we got some bullshit coming out. I don't know. <laughs> Still, I'm dead.
2: And I'm Birdie.
0: And Patray. We'll see you guys next time.